Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Lord's house tonight. It is so nice we should be outside doing church, don't you think? Uh, but it is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see you here as we gather together, brothers and sisters in Christ, to again just thank God for his blessings in our lives. Uh, worship is an amazing gift, isn't it? It's a chance for us to show God how grateful, how thankful we are for all that he has done for us uh, by sending his son Jesus to forgive our sins, by giving us the word that we read and study that teaches us about life and what it's all about. And uh, just to remember that we have this awesome God who is with us all the time. So how awesome it is to be together in worship. I'm glad you're here. I'm especially glad today because we're starting a new sermon series. Our summer series is finished, The Lies We Believe. And today we're gonna start this series. You can see it uh, printed, it's called The Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith, not Hall of Fame, but Hall of Faith. Uh, you know, we're beginning, uh, we are in the midst of our 75th anniversary as a church we'll celebrate this year. And you know, the name of our church is Faith. And so we're gonna spend some time talking about this gift of faith that was shown by some of those saints of God. And today we get to look at Noah. When's the last time you went to church and talked about Noah? Today we'll see Noah as the first person in our hall of faith and we'll celebrate that faith and confident trust that made this guy build a boat in the middle of the dry land, right? That's faith, wouldn't you say? Uh, so we'll talk about that and we begin our series on the Hall of Faith today. Hope you're reading through your announcement bulletin. You'll see all kinds of good things in there. Our, our chili cook-off and Packer game is tomorrow afternoon right here in the gym. Uh, so you can find information on that there. Um, we're on in... For our 75th anniversary, we're gonna try and uh, gather 7,500 pounds of food uh, to give away for the food pantries. And so on the third weekend of every month, we're encouraging you to bring your non-perishable food items with you to church. There's a box there uh, that you can drop that stuff off and uh, hopefully we can reach our goal of 7,500 pounds of food to give away uh, for our 75th anniversary. And that'll be every third week of the month. Uh, and then also you see our El Oregonal launch uh, in Guatemala is next weekend. Uh, we have 50 children in our village in El Oregonal, Guatemala that still don't have sponsors. Uh, it always kind of breaks my heart because when we write these beautiful letters and um, the kids get their letters, there's always some kids that don't get a letter because they don't have a sponsor yet. Uh, so if you would consider that, think about that already. Um, next weekend will be an opportunity for you to hear a report from our mission team that just got back from Guatemala and also a chance for you to think about becoming a sponsor um, and being a pen pal and building a beautiful relationship with, uh, with a child in Guatemala and making a difference in their lives there. So hopefully um, you'll think and consider that as well. All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God together tonight. So would you stand as we begin with this beautiful opening song, Great Are You, Lord. Let's open our voices in song. But right before we do that, let's have a little bit of time of fellowship. So just greet each other in the name of the Lord. Give each other peace.
The next song we're going to sing is Give Me Faith. And I chose this song this weekend because we're talking about Noah. Um, and there weren't there definitely times where he probably called out to the Lord and, and was like, Lord, like, I'm struggling to have faith in you right now. Like, I don't want to. Like, this is a crazy idea if you know the story of Noah, which we'll hear later from Pastor Dan. And so I wanted to pick this song so that we can call out to the Lord to have faith like Noah did. So let's sing this song. Break me apart I need 
Let's transition our hearts to a time of confession. Oh Lord, you searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are by nature sinful and unclean and our great God knows it. He is ines inescapable, omnipotent, and three in one. Nothing goes unnoticed, nothing can be hid from him. Let's take some time in silent confession to the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We fail to love you with our whole heart and fail to trust you above all else. We often do what you forbid and avoid what you command. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and empower us to bear good fruit by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, the best news that you will ever hear is that in spite of your faithfulness, God is always faithful. He never turns his back on us. He never gives up on us. His love and his grace and his forgiveness is free and won for us by Jesus Christ. And that's why we know that our sins are forgiven, not because we've earned it or we've deserved it or we've always been faithful, but because God is and because of his son, Jesus. So it is my privilege as one of your pastors to remind you again that because of Jesus and his faithful love for you, your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You are forgiven and you are free. Have a seat. Mercy in your 
Right, it's time for our children's message. Can I have some kids come on up here with me? I've got something to share just for you. Come on up and sit with me. Hello. How are you tonight? Good. 
So glad you're here, so I have someone to talk to. All right, here's an idea that I think, um, if you read the Bible, you can see is very true. You ready for this? I think it's pretty amazing. Did you know that you can make God smile? Do you think that's true? Did you know you can make God smile? I mean, the big old giant God who created the earth and everything in it, the God who upholds all of us and takes care of every single person on the planet, did you know you can make him smile? You can. And do you know how? Do you know how you can make God smile? Well, we're going to learn today about a guy named Noah. You've heard of Noah before? Noah and the ark, you know the story? Right? Noah did something that made God smile. Do you know what it was? He obeyed God and built an ark. <laughs> you might think that sounds kind of like, well, big deal. But do you know where Noah had to build this ark? And the dry land where there was no water. God told him to do something that was like pretty amazing, pretty hard to believe. Like, why would you build a boat in the middle of the dry land? Does that make any sense? It doesn't, it sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? But because God said so, Noah did it. And because Noah obeyed God, I think it made God smile. In fact, there's a Bible verse we're gonna look at a little bit later where it says that very same thing. It says, Noah gave God great pleasure. When we obey God, it makes him smile. Like if you do something that God wants you to do, it makes him smile. Like if some kid at school or a friend is mean to you, and instead of being mean back, if you're nice, right? If you do what God would want you to do, be nice to them instead, I think God smiles. If you like make your bed for no reason, like not only does it make mom and dad smile, I think it makes God smile too. Whenever you obey God, when you keep his commandments and when you walk in his ways, God is so proud of you and he smiles and makes God happy. I don't think I can think of anything better than to make God smile and God be happy for us. So I pray that every day, like Noah, that you'll listen to God, you'll obey his commandments, you'll do what he wants you to do, and when you do so, just remember, you're making God smile. Is that cool? I thought so too. All right, thanks, you can head back to your seats. All right, and now we'll turn to the word. And as we've been talking about already, we turn to Genesis 6 and the story of Noah and his faithful obedience. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the, Lord, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 
450 feet long, 70 feet, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. And rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of the Lord. And now we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where we hear some of the men and women of the hall of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith... Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, 
built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, the righteousness that comes by faith. And this too is the word of the Lord. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus, the risen Christ. Amen. Now would be a good time to pull out your little yellow sermon outlines that you've received when you came on in. Uh, there's some extras back there if you need them. And there's lots of blanks and such to fill in today. So if you don't have a pen or a pencil, we set them on a little basket there if you don't want to grab one of those so you can take notes. And uh, you can see we're starting our hall of faith with the man Noah. And the, you can see the title of my message today is, What Makes God Smile? You all know at the very beginning of creation, when God created everything out of nothing, God looked at all that he had made, and after each day, do you remember what he said? He said, it is good. See, in my little Dan brain, what God said is he said, this turned out okay. This is really good. And I got a, a picture in my mind that God actually smiled a little bit when he looked at all that he had made. It was perfect, the way God wanted it. And when he looked at all that he had made, he looked at it, saw that it was good, and smiled. But then you remember on the sixth day, God did something else. Remember what God did on the sixth day? He created the crown of his creation, man and woman. And he created them in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And when God looked at this beautiful creation, he didn't just say it is good. When God looked at that first human, those first two humans, what did he say? It is very good. See, again, I have this picture in my little Dan brain of God looking at Adam and Eve and going, whoa, that was some good work right there, right? And a little smile on his face because it was exactly the way it was supposed to be. They were the way God created them. And in their lives and their relationship with one another and their relationship with him, that, that beautiful relationship made God smile and made him say, it is very good. But then not so long after, already in Genesis chapter six, we heard this in our text today, right? Already in Genesis chapter six, people stopped making God happy. Right? You heard how the world became corrupt and mankind became evil. And when God looked at his creation now, not just man and woman, but all of creation, infected and marred and broken by sin, it wasn't very good anymore. It wasn't good anymore. There's a verse in the Bible that says God was regretful for all that he had made. But there was one there was one who still made God smile. Look at the verse I printed in the top of your outline from Genesis 6, verse 8. It says, Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. There was something about Noah that hadn't lost that relationship with God. There was something about Noah that still made God smile. In the midst of all the brokenness and all the corruption, there was something about Noah that still brought God delight and joy. And so I just decided this week, I wanted to dig into that. What was it about Noah? What was it in the midst of this broken world in which Noah lived that he could still find a way to give God glory and praise and bring pleasure to God? Because you know what? I wanna be Noah. 
Do you want to be Noah in this broken world, sinful, corrupt world in which we live? Wouldn't you want to be one that God could look at and say, this man, this woman brings me pleasure? So what can we learn from the life of Noah, right, that will help us also follow the footsteps and be faithful so that God will take delight in us? So if you're filling in your outlines, right, here's the first thing I'm, that I think uh, we can learn from the scriptures. We make God smile when we love him above everything else. If you're filling in your blanks, write that in there. When we love God above everything else. I printed a verse there from Hosea 6, 6 for you. Do you see? It says, I don't want your sacrifices, says God. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Do you see the two words I underlined there? Love and know. What God wants from us more than anything is to know him and to love him. Do you know what that is when you know someone and you love someone? You know what we call what you have with that person? You have a relationship with that person. And that's what this blank is. God wants a relationship with you. This is what God wants more than anything with you, to have a, a relationship where he knows you, you know him, he loves you, and you love him. In fact, I believe that you were created by God for this purpose. You were created to be loved by God and to love him back. That's why God made you. It is your purpose for existence to love God and be loved by God. And when we do that, when we live in that beautiful relationship with God, that's when God smiles. That's when God says, it is good, very good. This is the way it was always supposed to be. So just think about it. This was God's purpose from the very beginning that you would be in a relationship with him. He created you in his image. That means you were given the capacity to do something that the animals weren't. You, know, you are the only one, people, humans, were the only ones created in the image of God. The animals weren't. We have the capacity to know God and to love God and to be in a relationship with God. I promise that you will never see a dog or a cat or a cow down on their hooves or knees praying, right? They can't, they can't. They, they don't have the capacity to know God and live in a relationship with God like that. But you do, do you see? Because you were created in his image so that you could be known and love God in that special way and have that beautiful relationship with him that he intended. Oh, I just love that. Like, look at the verse in the bottom, Ephesians 1.5. God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ and this gave him great pleasure. What gave God great pleasure? When we live together as the family of God, when we live together in a relationship with him and one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we live following the great command to love God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. When we live in that relationship, it brings God, it said it right there, great pleasure. So you want to make God smile? Then love him. Then be in a relationship with him and allow that relationship to spill into your relationships with one another. Good? All right, second, we make God smile when we trust him completely. Again, you can feel that in the outline. When we trust God completely. 
If there ever was somebody that trusted God, it had to be Noah, right? I mean, he trusted God in the craziest of circumstances. He trusted God in the impossible situation that God put him in. And still, you heard twice in our reading, God did everything that, Noah did everything that God asked him to do. He was faithful and trusted God. Look at the verse from Psalm 147. The Lord takes pleasure in those who honor him and trust in his constant love. When we trust God, did you see that verse? It brings God pleasure. It makes God smile. When you say to God, I don't know where this is going right now, but I believe God, you've got this, so let's go. God smiles and says, here we go. When we believe that God is bigger than any of our problems, when we, be, when we believe God is able to accomplish more than we could ever ask, hope, or dream, and when we give ourselves to him, when we, as the famous bumper sticker says, let go and let God, guess what? God smiles. God takes pleasure in that. When we trust him, when we give up trying to think we're our own masters, that we chart our own course, that we control our destiny, when we let go of that and trust that God's got this, God smiles. It brings him pleasure and joy and delight. There's an example of this in this verse. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. I love that verse. I mean, it just says it all, doesn't it? He trusted that God knew what he was saying when he told him to build that boat. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. And his act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteous of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. There is just something that happens when you give your trust to another person and they are faithful to that trust. It builds a relationship. It builds this intimacy that came from Noah and God in his trust. So you wanna make God smile? Then love him above everything else. Then trust him completely. And to love him and trust him completely means you always know what's best. He, you trust that God always knows what's best. All right, flip your outline the backside. Third, how do you make God smile? We make him smile when we obey him wholeheartedly. We talked about that in the children's sermon a little bit, right? But look at this verse from James. We please God by what we do and not only by what we believe. Now, this verse isn't saying that we're saved by what we do, right? It's not works righteousness, but it is saying that what we do pleases God. I don't know if that blows your mind as much as it does mine, that you have the capacity to make the author and creator of the universe smile. I mean, does that just, I mean, how is that possible? How is it possible that you can make God smile and give him pleasure? Well, it's pretty clear here in the scriptures that when we obey him, when we follow his commands, it brings him joy and great pleasure. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, do what I say. I mean, literally he said, obey my commandments, but the revised Dan version says, do what I say, right? If you love God, you'll do what he says. This is a great lie of the devil that's in our world today, 
The lie is that people can say they love God, but then do whatever they want. That's, that's, that's not possible. You can't say you love God and then disobey him on purpose. You can't say you love God and just do what you think best, not what God thinks is best, right? Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. And so look, Hebrews 11, Noah obeyed and built a boat. Genesis 6, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. When we obey God, when we follow his commandments, it makes him smile. It brings him joy and pleasure. So what does it mean then to, to obey God that way wholeheartedly? It means no reservations. It means we obey with no procrastinating, and it means we obey enthusiastically, right? That's what we do. God, where you go, where you send me, I will go. Or as it said in Psalm 119, just tell me what to do and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. You wanna make God smile? Then obey him wholeheartedly. Finally, number four, you wanna make, smile, make God smile? Well, we do that when we fulfill his purposes for us. When we fulfill his purposes when we do what he has built us, gifted us, created us, and where he has placed us to be. When we fulfill the purpose that he has given us, God smiles. I kind of figure it'd be like a toy maker who builds a beautiful toy and he puts it all in the right pieces in the right place and he designs it in just a special way so that it will do something special. And when it works, the toy maker smiles. And when it doesn't work, the toy maker is depressed because he's got to fix it. It's not doing what it, was, what it was designed to do. Same for you and me. Each of us has been designed by the creator, purposed by the creator. There is something that God has for you to do in the kingdom that only you can do. And he has gifted you. He has given you every ability and every opportunity to accomplish it. And when you do, it makes God smile. You're fulfilling your place, uh, your purpose. Uh, there's a great line in Chariots of Fire. You remember that movie, Chariots of Fire? You remember the name of the runner? His name was Eric Little, right? In the line, one of the lines that I always loved, he says, when I run, I can feel God's pleasure. See, I really get that because he's doing what God gave him the gift to do. God made him, created him to be a runner, so when he runs, it gives God pleasure and joy. When you're fulfilling your purpose, it gives God pleasure and joy. And then I just love this paraphrase of Hebrews chapter 13 that I printed for you because it shows us that the purpose that God has for us isn't just like a, a churchy purpose, but it's all of life. Look at this verse. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice, that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. Where is it that God has given us purpose? Not just here in the church, but he's given us purpose in the kitchen. If you have the gift of cooking and you're a great chef, when you make a delicious meal, not only are those around the table smiling, so is God, right? When you use your gift in the, in the workplace, whatever it is in your job, the vocation that God has given you, when you do that, and that's the, the purpose that God has given you, God smiles. 
and in the streets around regular average people. Listen, if you have the gift of golf, when you golf, God smiles, right? Think about that. There's a reason to get out on the links, right? Whatever the gift is that God has given you, whatever the passion is that God has given you, when you exercise it and use it to give him the glory, honor, and praise, the Lord takes pleasure in that and smiles. So just let's do a quick little thought. God smiles when we love him above everything else. God smiles when we trust him completely. God smiles when we obey him wholeheartedly. And God smiles when we fulfill his purpose for us. Don't you see every one of us has an opportunity to bring pleasure to God every day? And here's the good news. When you do that, when God smiles, he smiles on you and you find a peace and a joy that passes human understanding. God bless you as you do that and as God smiles on you and uses you in the kingdom every day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I believe it's time for our offering. Uh, another way that God smiles is when we give of our hard-earned uh, selves and our dollars to him in the kingdom. So I uh, want to thank you for your giving and joining us on the mission that we all share to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in our world. Um, you can see if you, uh, those of online, you can watch if you're texting or you can uh, get online. To, to, there's several ways that you can give that way. However you do it, we're grateful for your joining us in ministry. Thanks for your giving. in this book words that tell me I'm no good chapters that define me for so long but the hands of grace and endless love dusted off and picked me up told my heart that hope is never gone God is in this story God is in
This time I ask that the congregation is seated. And now I'm going to ask for all of our Christian education folks, that would be teachers and helpers and support staff and other leaders who are part of our education ministry. And I'm gonna just widen that out to our music ministry people. You guys are in the education department as well. For those of you who are working with technology, whoever you have a hand or a piece in helping us grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ, would you all please stand? Those of you who have a part in that, please stand. Don't be shy. All right, thank you. We want to take a moment to um, commission you, to commit you to God and to pray for you as God uses you to help us learn and grow together. So sisters and brothers, you are blessed each day to live as a follower of Christ, receiving all the gifts of his grace. You are blessed to join him in his mission to bring all people into relationship with him. And you are privileged to serve as a teacher and a faith model for the children, youth, and adults of our congregation and our community. So we have placed upon you this great honor and responsibility of leading us in our study of God's word. You are to prepare yourselves for this work by your individual and corporate study of the word. You are to show yourselves by word and example to be faithful to him in worship and prayer and service. Do you willingly accept this responsibility then entrusted to you? And do you promise to faithfully carry out your duties as teachers and leaders in faith's education ministry? If so, please answer. We promise to do so with the help of God. We promise to do so with the help of God. And now if everyone would stand, please. Members of the congregation, you have heard the promises spoken by these gifted men and women. Do you promise to support them in their work, to remember them in your prayers and to work with them so that God may be glorified and his work be done among us? The author of the book of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As we strive to focus and train our hearts and mind on Christ, Faith Church offers opportunities for all ages to study and learn God's word. Do you, the children, youth, and adults of this congregation, commit yourselves to group and private study so that you might grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ? Let's pray. 
O Lord, give to these teachers and leaders the gifts of wisdom and discretion, kindness and faithfulness, so that they may effectively teach and guide. Give to all of us a ready willingness to learn. May your word be preserved and extended among us so that all may know and praise you now and forever. Amen. And now we turn to God with all of our joys, our concerns, and our special prayers. We pray. O God of salvation, we pray tonight for the whole church that the message of grace in Jesus Christ may be joyfully proclaimed and lived out among all of us. We pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit so that your word would have free course to be preached, shared, and put into action. Help us to seek healthy relationships and cultivate Christian friendships so that your love and mercy is mirrored in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And God of truth, we pray tonight for those who are outside of the Christian faith, for those who are void of hope, or those who put their faith in false gods and don't know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray, God, that you would turn uh, their hearts, that they would repent and may come to know you and your son, Jesus, and enjoy everlasting life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of love, we pray that you would bless our homes and our families, that your word would guide our thoughts, our conversations, and our actions. Bless us with your spirit of reconciliation in our homes and replace anger and brokenness with forgiveness and understanding so that our families can remain strong and bear much fruit for your kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all hope, we pray for those with special needs this day, especially the chronically ill, the shut-in, and all those who are scheduled for surgery or hospitalized at this time, including Verna Purdom and Chris Smith and the many others in our ongoing health and healing prayer page. We also pray for those who grieve the recent loss of a loved one, including the families of Elton Jandry, Bill Chastain, Larry Baim, and David Krieger, and all others whom we pause now to name in our hearts who are needing your love and attention. And Lord, today we also celebrate the gift of holy baptism. This weekend, little Judah Henning and Emery Schwarten will be baptized and brought to the font and named and claimed by you as their own child, given forgiveness as they are washed by the powerful water in your word and given the inheritance of eternal life as a child of yours. Let this be the beginning of a whole long life full of your blessings for them and their families. And we rejoice with many celebrating anniversaries this week. Mark and Jane Savitas, 45 years. Cy and Nola Worster, 63 years. Harvey and Marlene Miller, 67 years. Pastor Aaron and Karen, Carolyn Rosenau, 26 years. Len and Audrey Rissi, celebrating 73 years as husband and wife. Kurt and Trish Weinberg, 25. Bob and Shirley Schrader, 54. 
Lord, we pray that these couples' love for one another would just be such a great example for all of us, that in all things and all ways, we may love as you have first loved us. So into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we join in the prayer Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, And friends, as you go out into the world now to make God smile, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.